Hello, everyone, and welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene. I'm Brittany Butler. And I'm Ethan Brown. <laughs> and today we're back to discuss scene 33 titled Shattered Dreams on the Blu-ray scene selection. Very on-the-nose title for this scene, too. It is, coming off of the, the opening <laughs> moment, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean... It's a it's still a decent title though. I mean it is kind of like this is the end. A lot of dreams of a, you know, heading to New York and all this stuff are just being totally extinguished in this sequence here. This is like the mm-hmm. beginning of yeah, we'll we'll get into it. Um <clears throat> Uh, also, now suddenly that I've started talking on mic, I feel like my voice is more noticeably sick. So <laughs> I just wanted to say I am getting over the flu and laryngitis. So uh, I still have a cough, a lingering cough as well going on. So a little bit of congestion. So you could probably hear that. But um, yeah, but I I will stop at nothing to finish this. We're like the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> We don't damage your packages. (laughs) So before we get into it, I do have a voice message. You have one unheard message. First unheard message. Hi, this is Claire from the UK. Just want to say this is a great recording. I've loved this podcast and I've loved all the different themes and having like a, you know, male and female side of things and having like all the history, social stuff. And like the romantic stuff that you talk about, and how you can like deeper into things that people may have skimmed over. Um, Titanic's not one of my favorite films, but like the way you've been talking about it has made me have a greater understanding and love for it. And just want to say thank you. And I don't know how old this podcast is, but I'm glad you did it. No, that's cool. I like that she says she's it's not one of her favorite movies, but yet she's still listening. Exactly. That made me happy. And that, once again, someone else here, you know, who said that from listening to the podcast, they've gained a better appreciation and love for it, which is just really nice to hear, especially literally coming from a listener's mouth. Uh, It was just cool to hear that. So again, there are great movies that are not my favorite either. mm -hmm. Um, You know, a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. You know, it can be still a great movie without being necessarily your personal, like you have a personal connection to it, maybe, but. Yeah, and I know I know. There's probably lots of movies that I would listen to podcasts about that still aren't my favorite, mm-hmm. but yeah, but yeah, I just really like that. And what was the other thing? Oh, the way she mentioned um, having a male and female side of things as well. Mm. Well, that was like an aspect we had talked about before, like on our other podcast as well. Like how yeah, we were, we were coming at that show from two different perspectives from childhood, growing up watching it. It does factor in sometimes i think for sure on this podcast too there aren't as many uh male female co-hosted podcasts as you would think there would be yeah i mean there are there are i mean in but in relation to the ones that are two women or two men um i think it's it's not nearly as common good point actually now that i think about it a lot of the podcasts that i've found or listened to are usually just like a panel of guys or two girls or whatever so yeah same, same. Didn't even realize. But thank you for that voice message, Claire. We really appreciate it. It was great to hear from you. And we haven't got too many of those. I want to try to get some more <laughs> because they're they're fun. And it's a way for, mm-hmm. you know, some of you guys, our listeners, to, you know, be featured on the podcast, get your voice heard and some of your thoughts. And yeah. So 
getting into the scene. The top of this scene starts with Captain Smith standing in the wheelhouse, basically just waiting for the windows to break. The whole wheelhouse is well submerged now under uh, the ocean, and he knows that his time is over any minute now, and it's just... Oh, it's just silent in there and you hear like the slight creaking of the windows like about to give and he's taking a deep breath and yeah, uh, definitely like haunting. Yeah. Like a lot of this, a lot of the what's about to happen, especially. But yeah, there's a lot of a a lot of deaths in in this scene in particular, but a couple of main character or, you know, uh, supporting character deaths. Mm -hmm. I always think. How did they shoot this every time I see the scene? Like, how big was that set where, like, you know, when the water came rushing in, like, when did they cut? Even, yeah, every time you see a scene like this, just any scene that really has to do with water, where there's, like, a change in water, like, the stunt work in this movie is, I don't think people talk about as much as other stuff, but the stunt work in this movie is super impressive but yeah this one in particular is a lot of editing i'm sure but yeah and, and there probably is some digital happening which might be why we see him from the back most of it well um, on the commentary uh cameron said that's a czechoslovakian stuntman i guess standing in okay. for the captain right there um and that they really just they just did this so this set was built out of steel and lowered completely under the water like a submarine and what you've got is a czechoslovakian stuntman and me shooting it and uh, when the water covered us, it just went black. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I was curious if maybe they used, like, padded sets still and then just, you know, so that way if he got contorted underwater, it, like, he didn't hit anything super hard. But <laughs> Yeah, I always wonder about the glass. It must have been made of, like, something yeah, softer. Yeah, it's probably candy glass. Yeah. Poor choice of words, kind of. But in my notes, I said that this scene literally opens the floodgates. Um, it does, though. It does, though. Yeah. yeah Everything it, after this, this is the catalyst for, you know, cinematically. Yep. The dramatic score kicks in like immediately after this happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, like we had been saying in Near My God to Thee, that that was the calm before the storm. And this is like, here's the storm. It's here. So we get tons of shots of panicked passengers. Some places that we did just previously see in Near My God to Thee, like Cal's lifeboat, Fabrizio, we see him um, still using that pocket knife that we had talked about. Yeah. Um, and he gets like swept under the water real quick there. I also put in my notes, there's this really brief scene of these two men holding on to a side railing on on the ship. And they're just kind of like holding on, like trying not to fall and drown. And it's really quick. It's like a second and a half. But every time I see it, it visually reminds me of a scene from Pearl Harbor <laughs> where I, at least yeah. in my head, that's how I remembered it. It might be different if I go back and revisit it. The superior film, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I honestly, I did like a lot of Pearl Harbor when I was younger, though. Yeah, because yeah. it definitely. I mean, if you like, yeah, if you're a kid and you like Titanic, Pearl Harbor is like the next. Yeah. You know what you were gonna watch. But yeah, I know. I actually, my mom has this old jean jacket that we took out of storage a couple years ago and I started wearing it and I felt something like crunchy in the front pocket. So I took it out and it was her ticket from Pearl Harbor in 2001. Whoa, that's cool. I know. Nice. That's pretty cool. 
I love it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you, I mean, you were wearing this jacket when we went to see Pearl Harbor in 2001 yeah. together at 1130 in the morning. Whoa. Yeah. That's a cool like little time gem. Yep. Nice. And, and it was only like $5. It was, it was great. <laughs> yeah. I definitely had a Pearl Harbor moment there. I think yeah. in 01 there, I remember like coming home and crying and telling my Nana and Papa about the movie. But yeah, so there's like just that quick moment of those two guys holding onto the railing. Mm-hmm. It always makes me think of the scene from Pearl Harbor where it's like visually similar to that where like one of the ships is sinking and these guys are like hanging on for dear life and one of them shouts, I can't swim. And mm-hmm. so for some reason now, like whenever I see this quick shot in Titanic, I'm always thinking that one of those guys is going to say, I can't swim. At this point, I don't know why I would conflate a tiny <laughs> scene from Pearl Harbor with Titanic, where I should know that that does not happen in this movie, but yeah. That'd be a good offshoot episode if we did Pearl Harbor. Oh, gosh. Talk about it briefly. That is a long one. So I said we get more absolutely stunningly mind-blowing shots of the full-size set, and it's perfectly paired with the digital chorus score. Yeah. Like, you could listen to that, like, while you're trying to calm yourself, and then it's paired with this insane imagery. Yes. Yeah. But there is, like, there is um, a foreboding sense to this score, though. Like, it's like like the beauty and the tragedy coming together, like, in the score, almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said it really heightens the awe and the wonder and the shock to hear, like, this beautiful-sounding chorus-sounding song with this imagery and I said also like all of the extras running you know even on the commentary James Cameron said that that's about like yeah like 400 extras wow yeah running up this giant full length set (laughs) he he said like very minimal CGI to like add some extra people in there and stuff so was the set really slanted do you know yeah so they only could slant it um, or tilt it a certain degree so they were doing a Dutch angle with the camera Got it. Okay. and then just to make it look a little bit more tilted than it was um, kind, kind of like the sort of trick they've done like in the smoking room with Andrews and mm-hmm. all that kind of employing that sort of stuff again this is um very classic cinema so um, I think you mentioned this before right they're all like running to get to their running you you run uphill you had said yeah, yeah. so like uphill to the so like running downhill to the right is our brain because you read you read from left to right so your brain is com- more comfortable seeing things go from left to right on screen so if you're going downhill to the right it's like okay these people are you know it's it's more calming to your brain but the least calming is uphill to the left which is what these people what are doing, running yeah. up to the left cuz your brain is first of all it's uphill so it, it's like a subconscious sense that they're struggling already just mm-hmm. running uphill anyway and then, a, and then secondly, going from right to left, which your brain is not as comfortable with. Yeah, because like these people, they're running, they're trying to stay alive. You you sense that urgency, obviously. You see people jumping. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. You also notice that all of the lifeboats are gone and you just see the, the ropes hanging from the davits. And I was like, that makes everybody on board feel that much more vulnerable, I think. That was just something that stood out to me this time. Like the way the side of the ship just looks so bare because of the lifeboats are gone. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 
So we finally check in with Jack and Rose again for the first time in a minute. And they pause to lean over the side of the ship and just assess the situation. We get like this random close up on Rose's face, which for some reason has stood out to me always. And I I feel like I don't know where I heard it, but I feel like someone involved with the movie or someone somewhere, I don't know, commenting on the movie said that like they never liked that scene like it was just weird it's just like this tiny brief cut to uh rose like whipping her head around and just going like huh and then just like staring it felt like a it felt like a like a a promo shot or something like they wanted to get yeah for like a still yeah maybe i don't know that's what i i think i know there was a shot in this scene where i was like it feels like they used this for like a promotional material Mm -hmm. they probably did yeah because they definitely used the um, this quote from Jack right there where he says, we have to stay on the ship as long as possible. <laughs> right. For the trailer. Yeah, they definitely yeah. use those in some trailers and, <laughs> and promo shots. Like back in the yeah. 90s, the little like 30 second TV teasers, yeah. Titanic in theaters now. And they would use like intense music and they would cut to that. 20th Century Fox and Paramount Pictures present Leonardo DiCaprio. We have to stay on the ship as long as possible. Kate Winslet. You jump by, jump right. From James Cameron. Director of T2 and True Lies. This is it. Titanic. Rated PG-13. Now playing at theaters everywhere. I'm I'm trying to even... I I was trying to remember how they marketed this movie before anyone had really seen it. Like, did they market it as, like, a love story? You know, rom-com? Or did they market it as, like, a disaster movie? Yeah, it was was kind of a a journey there of figuring out how to market the movie. I'm sure it was a nightmare for the studio. Yeah, because early on in the promotional stuff, they were going very hard with the disaster thing at first, because especially because it was James Cameron. And it's called Titanic. And so, you know, give people what they're expecting, sort of, you know what I mean? From the director of T2 and True Lies, like, doing stuff like that. They had an original poster that was just titanic in like the rivet font all really intense the text is looking like it's sinking it's like tilting and it says like titanic collide with destiny and they were like (laughs) you know they were they were really doing that sort of stuff at first and then i'm not sure when the the romance stuff when that started to you know take flight but then there was definitely like a healthy mix there's a whole compilation of um tv spot promotional things mm-hmm. and it's a healthy mix of like random action oriented sort of trailers and then the sweeping you know romance sort of trailer and yeah using this yeah the score a little bit so speaking of this quote from jack that we need to stay on the ship as long as possible this sort of begins him knowing what to do in the case of a sinking ship which is something that a lot of people criticize and they're like oh jack sure knows how to survive a sinking ship isn't that convenient blah 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 because he like gives rose all these tips from here on out like he's always like telling her stuff um and this is kind of like the first moment of that there's more of it later and so i just wanted to say like i don't know if we've mentioned this before i don't think we have but i wanted to point out you know people try to criticize this and say it's a flaw making jack so perfect as well that he's just so knowledgeable when he needs to be and can just rattle off safety precautions for when you're (laughs) on a sinking ship you know what i mean Uh and i was like okay but when you think about it this is actually within his character it's already it was already written into his character because at his conversation at the first class dinner when he's talking about his life he's talking about how he traveled and worked his place from place to place via tramp steamers which are ships 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how he would travel around. And then he also talked about working on a squid boat. This is definitely not his first time on a ship or a boat of some kind. So I always kind of thought maybe he did survive a sinking before. You know, maybe. we don't know. Maybe he did. Wow. What are the odds? Don't go don't go on a ship with him anymore. <laughs> or like maybe just from, you know, traveling with people yeah. who are on ships. Who have done it. Yeah. Exactly. Just making conversation yeah. with the people on the ships. There were no phones back then. You had to actually talk to people. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm sure yeah. he probably heard stories and he's a very worldly guy. So what is the the thought process behind staying on it? as long as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they need to stay on as long as possible because the longer that they're on the ship, the less time they'll have to wait in the freezing water for help. So Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if help does come, you are not just in the water the whole time and maybe die before help comes. Exactly. Got it. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay. Mm -hmm. That that makes more sense. It minimizes their chances of dying too early. Yeah, Yeah, I see. Yeah, totally. Yes, so we get another great shot of the ship sinking, like, from the side front view, and, mm-hmm. it, and it goes down, like, pretty far that time. Like, you really get yeah. the feeling that, okay, yeah, it's it's going down now. And I just thought it was funny on the audio commentary, James Cameron mentioned that he thinks that this shot was done by ILM, which is okay. Industrial Light and Magic, yeah. George Lucas's company, yeah. so there we go. You <laughs> got a Star Wars reference, kind of. We do. We got a collab there, almost. Yeah. I, think, I think ILM's, were their first movie, was their first movie A New Hope? I think so. I think, didn't he start the company to do Star Wars? To I think. do, yeah. yeah. Just like Cameron built this studio in Baja, Mexico to do it. And now they yeah. use it for other things. Nice, yeah. So, I just thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Then we see the first class staircase totally flooding now people swimming all around the area in a total panic they're doing whatever they can to survive holding on to anything this that shot of the guy who holds on to the cherub and he always stood out in my memory and again it's just crazy to see this environment looking like this now so we do like a lot of like fast cuts from that so we do a cut from that and then we're back to jack and rose climbing and jumping from the upper decks down to get onto the poop deck to go to the stern so Jack is trying to, you know, help her every step of the way and saying her name a little more. I think he says it one or two times in this little cut scene here. Then we get another cut back to the Grand Staircase. Uh, but this time we get a close up on John Jacob Astor. Um, and he's just looking stunned and resigned as well. He just kind of can't seem to make sense of what's going on or he's just he doesn't really look like he's accepted what's happening he does he definitely looks like he's stunned to me mm-hmm. and he doesn't really know what to do or where to go so he just kind of hangs out right there uh, at the top of the area near where the dome is as we get more shots of passengers panicking around him there's a close-up of the clock once again and this time the water is rising above the clock and like right before it rises uh you can see that the time is at 2:15 now so we got like five minutes in movie time or in in titanic universe time mm-hmm. right now until it's going to be fully submerged which is just also crazy to think about for us as you know as a podcast that in five minutes in in universe time the movie we've been talking about for so long now the huge main event of the Titanic sinking is about to happen. Like, it's about to be gone. Like, that is crazy. I can't believe we've made it this far. Yeah, four and a half years. 
Right. So they do these, um, we get these shots of the windows that go into the first class staircase area breaking these passengers. It's crazy. Oh my God. Getting sucked back in. Yeah. That's where I wrote the, the stunt work. I wrote, man, great stunt work. Cause I didn't write man, but I wrote yeah. great stunt work. And, uh, and cause yeah, there's him, the people getting sucked through the, the window. Mm-hmm. Like that was crazy. I know. And when they just like come falling just in onto the ground, yeah. the, the shots, like there's that one guy where he looks like he gets whiplash. You know what I mean? He gets just taken mm-hmm. in there and you hear him go like, Ugh! and he just goes like taken in. I'm like, Ooh, it's just, yeah. it's imagine and- that. Imagine you're trying to get out of there and then you just end up right back in. Oh. Yeah. And Fabrizio um, j- just barely misses. I mean, he almost gets that yep. right here too, right? Yep. He almost gets and then, it. And there's yeah. that sound effect that happens there. It always stood out to me as well. It's like a choking almost sound. Um, I don't know. I never knew. It's like, like a horror movie almost. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's just like the sound of the suction or like what's going on there, but. No, great, great um, sequences mm-hmm. here. Just all around, like everything. And James Cameron doesn't really repeat a lot of the tricks a lot, but this one he uses a couple of times. I think he knows it's like, it's like a really cool trick, but uh, yeah. And it's effective seeing it happen a couple of times. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. So then we cut. Back to Jack and Rose running some more uh, to get to the stern. And this is when Jack says, like, I got you, jump. And Rose goes to jump off, but then she falls. And the chief baker, Charles Jugan, is there to help her and says, I've got you, miss, and helps her up. And in my notes, I said that I always liked this moment because it's so unglamorous. Uh, it, it just feels realistic. Yes, mm-hmm. like she probably would fall on her face <laughs> in yeah, a like moment it, like it, this. Probably every, probably every passenger who was involved in this fell at least a couple times. Yeah, during this whole ordeal, and no one was just pristine the whole way through. Yeah, Jack isn't like a total superhero. <laughs> yeah, you know, Rose fell. She fell on her face there, right on the totally. ground, and it's just kind of ironic because it's right after he says like "I got you," and then she just falls. Yeah. but yeah, it's realistic. It's unglamorous. I said and. Yeah, and I like the way they threw the baker in there, too, because they're going to be at the stern with him, so it's kind of good to sprinkle him in a little bit right before that. Then we cut back to Cal's lifeboat. He's trying to unswamp it and pushing people away. And then we see Fabrizio swimming away from, you know, he just got away from that suctioned window. Um, So now he's swimming away. Just as the cables on the funnels start to snap like whips into the water. And that, I think that this is what I had mentioned in passing before, where it's like when one of the cables comes whipping down, it looks like someone gets decapitated. I don't oh, yeah. think so. You would die, though, instantly if this hit you, like in the face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I I, th- I, it, I don't think they were decapitated, but I think someone was hit in the head, I think, in yeah. this scene. And they're like holding on to a deck chair. It's in like the bottom left area of the, the overhead shot when they show it, like the cables breaking off from the top of the funnel, like that overhead shot. Mm-hmm. You can see someone with a life vest holding on to a chair. It looks like the cable whips them like right on the body, right on the head, right somewhere and their whole body just like jerks a little bit. And then they're just floating there. And it maybe he had to kind of put it off to the side in the corner because maybe for ratings, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are things that James Cameron wanted 
to show that he had to kind of show a little bit of restraint Mm -hmm. because it would have gotten, I'm sure he didn't want an R rating. No, no. It would have surely affected at least a little bit. The attendance, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I only ever noticed that when I saw it in theaters recently and I was like, whoa, what what was that? (laughs) But I'm telling you, though, always something new to notice. And we also get that shot of Officer Lightoller with the overturned lifeboat that, you mm-hmm. know, which was a historically accurate situation there. And they cut back to him a couple times holding on to that boat. I always liked the way that they do cut to Cal witnessing the funnel about to collapse because it they do give him a moment of realization almost on his face where he almost is trying to like say something it's not even like anybody there can hear him but it's it's just sort of like he's think almost saying like oh my god like i i i, I think that is what he kind of melts he almost melts like i like i i don't I, like i don't know what to say about this like oh my goodness all these people are going to get crashed and and die right there like, for a second, he's not just thinking about himself. Mm-hmm. Like, it was that, like, even somebody as self-centered as he is could still even understand the magnitude of what was happening. Yeah. On some level, yeah. For at least, you know, five seconds. For at least, like, exactly. At least, like, for a split second, but then, you know, back to, like, his nature is self-preservation, so. Because I'm pretty sure right after that, he turns around and, like, throws yeah, someone <laughs> off the boat throws again. someone off the boat. Yeah, that's wild, yeah. It's, it's a composite shot, I think, so. Cal in, in the boat is there, but then the funnel was, like, green-screened from a miniature falling, and then all these different cuts to make it look like it's falling on Fabrizio and everything. But, yeah, I, I still think this scene looks really good. So, of course, this is, unfortunately, poor Fabrizio's death scene oh <laughs> swimming away from almost being sucked into the ship only for this to happen like seconds later yeah moments later just awful and what's worse though is that his death originally was going to be something else hmm <sighs> tell, please tell me Fabrizio was originally meant to be murdered, basically, by Cal. Huh. During the previous? It was actually supposed to happen a little bit later, but it was supposed to happen at a lifeboat, at Cal's lifeboat. So I have it here, the excerpt. It was supposed to happen after the ship sank and people were trying to still get onto this lifeboat of Cal's. And Fabrizio is one of the people who swims over. And so this part of the screenplay reads, The boat is overloaded and half-flooded. Men cling to the sides in the water. Others, swimming, are drawn to it as their only hope. Cal, standing in the boat, slaps his oar in the water as a warning. Stay back! Keep off! Fabrizio, exhausted and near the limit, makes it almost to the boat. Cal clubs him with the oar, cutting open his scalp. And then Fabrizio says, this is terrible, Fabrizio says, you don't understand, I have to get to America. (laughs) It's awful. Uh, Oh man, I really want someone to just make Titanic with all of this wasted material. I know, it's bad. That's not not good. I feel so bad. You don't understand. Like, he's like playing. 
They make no, no, you, you make that. Understand. It's like you make that Fabrizio's like one trait. Yeah, he's, he's the he's, he's the Italian guy that has to get to America. He's a he's an Italian guy who needs to get to America. Yeah, it's gonna be his last words. Oh, that's hilarious! Oh my goodness! It's the way Cameron has written it out with dot dot dots. It's you don't yeah. dot 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 understand dot dot dot. I have dot dot dot. That's classic Cameron right there. Um. It gets it gets worse actually because he's kind of oh, throwing please. in a little bit of sarcastic evil humor. So Fabrizio with a cut open scalp is bobbing in the water being like, you know, you don't understand. I have to get to America. And Cal, it says Cal pointing with the oar. It's that way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Well, I'm glad that wasn't in the movie. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. Titanic was really good. But that one scene where the guy's talking about going to America. Oh, no. On a, on a more macro sense, um, I am glad that they didn't have him be get murdered. I like the, like, randomness of some of these deaths where it's just, like, nature yes. is, you know, killing people. Like, mm-hmm. it's not people... Like, I like you know, there is there is a gun and stuff, obviously, um, a couple of them. I like that there is more. Even with... It, it would have felt too... And also, also like, discount... And Fabrizio even ever have a scene together before this? No, I don't or, think so. I was saying it would have been so like no connection to this at all. Yeah. In the screenplay, the scene wraps up by saying, close up on Fabrizio as he floats, panting, each breath agony. You see the spirit leave him. And then it says Fabrizio's point of view. Cal in slow motion, yelling and wielding the oar, a demon in a tuxedo. The image fades to black. Okay. Yeah, so he was literally just going to bludgeon him again and kill him. That's one way of doing it. From Fabrizio's point of view. Absolutely insane. Yeah, that's insane. And there are some pictures. Uh, I don't know if you can see. Oh, there's pictures of it. So they filmed the- this? Oh, jeez. Is there a um, like an actual scene of this, like on YouTube or anything? No, it was not filmed, I don't think. I mean, it may- maybe it was, but it just never made it to the deleted scenes. But we have these pictures. Yeah. I mean, they definitely... It looks like they would have been filming it, so... In the blurbs in the screenplay as well about this, they say, while Fabrizio's original death scene was shot, oh yeah, there you go, um, it was changed for reasons of pacing and to keep Cal's character from being too overly negative. And Cameron said- That's why it wasn't. Yeah, I know. And then Cameron says, once he uses the little steerage girl to get a place in a lifeboat, we hate him enough to last the rest of the film. Yeah. Totally, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's the thing. It's not like we're trying to understand. He's not trying to convince us that this guy's a maniac. Yeah. By this, by this point, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but again, I say we. I you feel like I feel like you gotta. Well, I will say you have to give Cameron credit for being able to realize these mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And cut them from it and realize like, okay, yeah, definitely did not need that. We are, yeah. already hate him enough like that he was smart enough to notice this stuff. But then at the same time, it's people will counter argue that of being like, okay, but he still originally wrote it and shot it to begin with. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but he was also still smart enough to realize, never mind. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why editing is can make or break a movie. Also, to that to that point too, um, to James Cameron's point, I like that Cal is is the villain without having to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we 
again, like we're talking about challenging the audience before with like certain feelings that he gives towards Cal. He wants the audience to kind of have different emotions resonating about this guy. If you have a murder for Rizzo in cold blood, then it's it's too black and white, I think. Yeah. If it's, you know, and before that, it, 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 there is some level of black and white, but it's not as on the nose as, as that would be. I can't believe it was going to be a point of view shot. That's wild, too. That would have been too much. Cal swinging down and killing the cameraman. Like, seriously? Waste of a camera. Too. <laughs> uh, that's funny, though. You know, like Walking Dead style there. Negan with the bat. <laughs> We're going to be doing that in Titanic. Let's see. Oh, good. I'm almost done with my notes. So then we're back again to Jack and Rose making their way to the stern. And at the beginning of the shot, you can see someone holding their luggage above their head, which I noted. And I'm like, people still trying to, you know, carry their things with them. We're going to make it, guys. Yeah. And this is when the power starts to flicker and the lights start to go out ever so briefly before they turn back on. Um, But in that moment, you hear everybody start to shriek. Like everybody is just screaming in fear when the lights go out. And it's just kind of funny because, of course, in the movie, it's still well lit enough that we can see what's going on pretty, you know, perfectly clear even when the lights go out, Mm -hmm. when in actuality it would have been close to pitch blackness in history that is absolutely terrifying i mean the fact that titanic sank on a moonless night yeah (sighs) yeah i mean there it's even hard to see when there is a moon out Mm -hmm. if there's no unless there's like street lamps yeah but terrifying like imagine that like you have the the glow of the ship and then suddenly nothing you can't even see your hand in front of your face oh my goodness so, right around here, we have another um, James Cameron comedy shoehorn uh, moment right here, which... The worst possible timing. I, but honestly, it works, though. And, you know, everything's been so intense leading up to this that he just gives us this five seconds of a humorous line from Jack, and then we're, like, right back yeah. to whatever, you know? It does serve a purpose, though. Like, he's saying, come on, dude. You gotta keep moving. Yes. The man says, Hey, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will walk a little faster through that valley there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And Um. since this is a humorous moment, I am going to reference a viral um, internet post here in relation to this because I thought it was one of the funniest things ever when I read it because it's so dumb (laughs) I was like (laughs) so on the subreddit like the crappy movie details subreddit Mm -hmm. someone said Titanic 1997 has a continuity error a man says as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death which is the opening line from Coolio's Gangster's Paradise (laughs) Titanic sank in 1912, so there's no way he could have ever heard this song as it was released in 1995. <laughs> uh, I was wondering where he was going with this. <laughs> That's really funny. Because obviously oh, that is that is a prayer uh, yeah. that Coolio then, you know, referenced in Gangster's Paradise. But yeah, definitely biblical. I was just like, could you imagine... If James Cameron made a mistake that big. 
also, can you imagine if James Cameron referenced Coolio? That's what I'm saying. Like in a Titanic movie. Yes. Let's have a passenger um, singing the opening line of Gangster Paradise. Gangster also, Paradise. who thought who thinks Coolio would come up with that line? <laughs> I way? know. And this is like. <laughs> One of the most iconic pieces of any like any type of written word <laughs> written by Coolio. Jeez. Uh, well, obviously um, this was like a joke. Um, yeah, yeah, that's but, but yeah, that that got me. <laughs> that's pretty good though. It's like the people who still think that Jack was talking about Nickelodeon, the the channel earlier when he was like, I saw that in a Nickelodeon once. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, Nickelodeon existed in 1912? Mm, James Cameron messed up here a little bit. Why would he have a passenger quoting Coolio? <laughs> that would be <sighs> like really one of funny. the biggest oversights ever. <laughs> if that was <laughs> the only thing it was from. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I, it's just bad because now every time I see that scene, I just hear him rapping it in my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, I mean, it is the first thing I think of when I hear that line because that's one of my favorite songs ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I will say in this scene, uh, like kind of for the first time, like they're, they're, especially like with the, you know, biblical references and then in the next, the beginning of the next scene, there's the priest. Mm-hmm saying the Hail Mary and some other stuff. But um, I really started thinking about, like, Noah's Ark. I don't know if I, we ever talked about this before, but how it's, like, an invert. This movie's, like, an inverted Noah's Ark. The Ark, it was a rescue for humanity. And now, in this movie, for the, or the Titanic in general, it's, a, like, a death sentence. Like, people are actually... Like, in the Bible, you know, people were trying to get on the ship. You know, people wanted to be saved. But in the movie, people are literally jumping off the ship, like, in this scene... And then, like, the hallways, the ship is what's flooding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's flooding onto the ship versus the ship being the, the like, the rescue away from the flooding. And then, yeah. It just had to, I, I just feel like it had to have been on James Cameron's mind at least a little bit. Um, and there's, like, a few religious references throughout. Not even God could sink mm-hmm. the ship and, like, stuff like that. Even more so, like, with Jack and Rose. In Noah's Ark, it was coupled, like, the animals were, were coupled. Mm-hmm. So you had to, like save that species and here like Jack and Rose are separated you know versus being saved together on the ship interesting Mm. yeah Cameron said on the commentary that in this particular like whole sequence that we're talking about this whole scene that he did want to do a couple close-ups on individual people to enhance the the experience and make it a little bit more personal Mm -hmm. you know we have jack and rose we have cal we have fabrizio we have john jacob astor we have the captain and he said to be uh as witnesses to these moments and victims obviously yeah yeah it definitely closes out a lot of stories here Mm -hmm. as we yeah cut back into the first class staircase with the dome and we see John Jacob Astor again in the foreground with the dome behind him and he's barely affected when the dome breaks he barely he doesn't even flinch he's just accepted like I said he's just either stunned or something he's just over everything he's just accepted that all of this calamity is happening around him um, and just stands there holding on to the pillar. And I said this is a terrifying moment just from the screams of just absolute horror coming from 
everybody in this area. And also just, again, the fact that this scene was totally practical. The behind the scenes shots of this is just crazy. Yeah, some of those those shots of the extras in that scene, screaming for their lives, falling over the sides of the railings there, like, it's very intense. And again, it's paired with that, you know, digital chorus sounding score. It's the same motif that we heard earlier that we were talking about Mm -hmm. um, in this scene. They repeat it here twice, actually. So I'm trying to think if there was anything else I was just going to say about this. Um, Oh, Uh, On the historical commentary, they had mentioned that, again, like this is interesting because of James Cameron making Titanic. We inadvertently learned a lot about the history in ways that people would have never thought of. Um, So while filming this scene, the staircase in the set floated up. Like the stair, the staircase, just with the rush of the water, the pressure of the water, yeah. it just came out. At, at this point, during the filming of, of of the staircase here, the actual staircase broke away in the set and floated up, and they had to reshoot that with it more anchored down. And that's now how we feel the actual staircase left the Titanic because there's no remains of it today in the wreck that it actually may have lifted out of the ship. Huh. Interesting. Wow. That's. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Just by filming like a Mythbusters style. Yeah. But I guess like they think on the actual Titanic, it must have floated up and right out the dome and just who knows where it went. But apparently there's no remains. Especially at the dome. Weird. Mm -hmm. So like when you see the pictures of the inside of the wreck, the staircase is just empty. It's just a giant, giant holes on each floor going down. So what I really like about the end of this dome scene is how the water rushing towards the camera creates the transition to the hallway scene. Yeah. I just always thought that was kind of cool. And then the coral motif repeats again for the hallway scene. Yeah, and I call it the violent flooding hallway scene. Um, And I always do wonder, like, would that have happened that way like with that much pressure the water rushing in enough to knock off the doors and push out the furniture and like because it's already been buffered along the way by all these other walls and stuff you mean yeah or just yeah i I don't know know. yeah yeah you wouldn't think it would right because you'd be like it had to have slowed down a little bit by the time it's i don't know it i I don't know that's a good question maybe because it's coming in from the dome or something or, yeah was that the intention that yeah it was coming straight from like around the corner i guess yeah so it's just like flooding in directly almost yeah that would make more sense i guess yeah because I, in my head i always thought that it was just a completely unrelated part of the ship yeah. but then i was like wait no that is that sort of first class hallway is like right off of that area so right around the corner yeah so maybe it would have flooded that intensely interesting see i never thought about that but yeah that's a great shot and that, of course, is also a miniature. Like, it was a really small miniature. It was, like, a little bit over a foot tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just this little hallway, and they had, like, these little water pressure tanks on the sides. Um, and they just put this little camera in the thing and then just whipped the camera back really fast and sprayed all the water and had to do this. And then uh, I always liked the story of how when they filmed it, James Cameron, I guess, like, he didn't really like the way it looked just straight dead on. 
like something about it just didn't seem as unsettling or whatever. So then in post they went and they tilted the Hmm. clip and that just made all the difference. It just made it a little bit more intense and a little bit more unsettling and scary. Yeah. So that's the end of the scene. But right before this, there's actually another really brief deleted scene of Cora's death. To film that with a kid, like a flood scene with a child, like with any water scene that's where the level's at high has got to be a nightmare. Yes. On top of it, like, you know, I mean, I don't know what the details were of behind the scenes on that, but um, yeah, that's got to be a nightmare. Mm -hmm. In the screenplay, it says her name is Cora Cartmel, and it says... While the death of the Cartmel family was photographed, Cameron decided that the scene was too intense. Historically, 52 children were lost on Titanic. All of them were third-class passengers. That's what it says in the blurb. Yeah, that scene, it's very brief, but it is a lot. And again, it's a very sad ending to see that. You know, we see Cora in Rose's dream sequence at the end, or the heaven sequence, I think... she died and went to heaven, but we'll get to that conversation later. Uh, but we see Cora there, so obviously we know she died, you know, in the end. But, yeah, I don't think we really needed to see it like that. Also, it almost transcends, like, the tragedy of the movie. It's a little maybe too real for a lot of people. Yeah. The the paradigm of innocence, you know, mm. the child especially, like, one that we've seen over the course of the movie. Yeah, for sure. I can see why that would be included. Yeah, it's pretty graphic to watch her. Yeah. It goes up and up and up, and then it just cuts. But Yeah. And like, it was in, like, her mouth a little bit. Like, yeah. I was like, jeez. Yep. And then it just cuts straight from there to the theatrical version, which cuts to the, um, the stern rising, which will be the beginning of the next scene. So, yeah. So that will just about do it for scene 33 shattered dreams thank you guys so much for listening we really appreciate it again be sure to follow on all the socials for updates because i did mention again that you know due to some scheduling conflicts we didn't get two episodes out for september yeah or most of the months since we've come back have had two episodes um but yeah, just some scheduling conflicts, lots of things going on. But like I said, I will stop at nothing to complete this project. <laughs> a, a second great hiatus is not happening on my watch. <laughs> oh, uh, also, I did want to mention there is uh, an auction being held on November 9th through 12th, uh, I think, online through Prop Store. Mm. Um, there's like a bunch of, I don't know if there's a bunch, but there's at least a couple of Titanic pieces um being auctioned off of the, any any prop collectors out there one of which is an outfit that jack wore in oh. the movie and there's some other stuff they're unveiling the full catalog um but just people any collectors out there big titanic fans so hopefully i can edit this episode in time to have it up <laughs> yeah. there's some other stuff too star wars stuff um godfather stuff yeah mm-hmm. anyway Again, yes, so just be sure to follow on all the socials. Um, And again, I'm saying just all the socials now and saying that our links are in the description because Twitter is literally X now. (laughs) (laughs) It is literally X. Yep. And I'm like, that's why, you know, now every single time we said Twitter, it's just dated. Twitter's gone. 
Uh, so yeah, so no more individual shout outs of, of links. Anything we have is just in the description. Uh, yeah, email also, of course, in the description, scene at gmail.com. The link to send us a voicemail like the one you heard earlier in this episode uh, will be at the very bottom of the show notes. And again, we'd love to hear from you. And yeah, so yeah, I think that's it. I'm, my, I, I could feel my voice slipping from me. <laughs> Oh, man, I was trying so hard not to cough this whole time. You did pretty good. <laughs> I did cough quite a few times, but those will be edited out. So once again, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next scene. See you.